objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Breitler. Chris, I have a burning burning question for you. Okay. Would you rather eat a whole jar of mayonnaise or a whole tub of butter? I hate mayonnaise, so I'm, I got to go butter. I'm not a mayonnaise guy. I'm okay. not a condiments guy. So okay. that's oh, one. man, I'm a huge sauce guy. Like, every, give me the sauces, dude, all of them. I've gotten I've gotten better later in life. Like, I like buffalo sauce. I'm just now getting into, uh, like, balsamic vinegar on like, okay. chicken or things like that. So okay. I'm getting a little bit adventurous. But for the most part, like, ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise, Ow, huh? all, of, all of that shit terrifies me. Don't wow, put it anywhere dude. near me. I That's don't even like to put. I don't like to put the containers away. Like my family's done using it, and they're like, "You put the ketchup in the fridge." I'm like, I don't really feel like touching it, to be honest. That is hilarious, dude. I could not yeah. be. I could not be more different than that. I have like you. Well, there we our, go. You, there's there's a the first major difference between Chris and I. You open the fridge to my. You open the door to my fridge, and the, it's like it would be like hell for you. I think it's like wall, It's like the wall of sauces, dude. I'll have yeah. to let you see it sometime. But well, I'll tell you what. My wife makes this tea and it has uh, apple cider vinegar she'll she'll drink it often and like the vapors from the apple cider vinegar like you know it kind of fills the air in the vicinity and if i'm around it like, it just drives me crazy i also I can't, I can't stand it i also love apple cider vinegar so there you go wow. dude i love that stuff yeah. put it on like french fries or whatever malt vinegar that's Ooh. malt vinegar but apple vinegar is a little too strong to do that with but you can take a little a little sip of it here and there it's supposed to be good for you right i mean that's probably why she does it Vinegars, yeah, it, yeah, but vinegar is like it's supposed to help you when you have a sore throat. It also cleans your coffee table really well. It's like it, the vin- <laughs> why are you like drinking vinegar, that shit? <laughs> right, vinegar does it's everything. It gets stains out of your clothes apparently. So I don't know. I'm a little iffy about vinegar. I'll, so, you know, I'll dabble here and there. So let's step back to it. Obviously, you said you said mayonnaise is out because you just can't stand it. Could you could you horse a whole tub of butter? I don't think I could, but it's I would gross certainly. As hell. Yeah, I would certainly be. I would be uh, more inclined to go that direction. I give it a shot. So the question, the question doesn't doesn't present a time limit. So I'm, I mean, I'm not saying like over six months, but like it's not like you got to do it in ten minutes. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna try to do the mayonnaise. I really like mayonnaise. Like the idea of eating a lot of it just plain by itself is gross as hell. But I like butter. It's just like it would like coat. It like coats yeah. you, dude. I couldn't. I couldn't do that. I mean, I like butter too, but <laughs> you have to eat a whole one of one or the other. I'm gonna go with the mayonnaise. Well, Chris, not a not a sauce guy. That's interesting. Well, I'm let's, not a sauce guy. Let's move on to something that matters. We'll talk about Michigan football. Talk about a little bit Michigan basketball to close things out. Um, the first thing I wanted to touch on is this Willie Allen transfer situation, which to me is just weird. Just really weird. I mean, I, I put some, you know, put out the little the little release on on Twitter that Willie Allen was in the transfer portal and uh, offensive tackle from, he started off at LSU. Then he went to a junior college. Then he spent two seasons at Louisiana tech, six, six, 340 pounds, huge guy was a big time recruit, but just hasn't been able to cut it anywhere. Like he's leaving Michigan now and his next school will be his fifth school in five years. So clearly this is also a Willie Allen issue, but I, I do think there's some weirdness with the Michigan side of things too. And just that, 
again, hindsight is always 2020. So when Willie Allen came to Michigan, I was pretty excited about him. Like this kid, this guy's he's huge. He's played football before. I know he was a big time recruit. Michigan was on him the first time around. So this is a good thing. This helps for depth. I mean, maybe he wins a starting job. Great. Well, he goes through spring ball. He's buried on the depth chart. Now he's transferring again. So he got to Michigan in October, went through spring ball, and he's now transferring in April. It's just weird. I don't not, if even if you don't place blame on anybody, now it's not Jim Harbaugh's fault. It's not Michigan's fault. It's not Willie Allen's fault. If a guy transfers in in October and leaves in April, that's weird. Like that just that doesn't happen. Yeah. So people had an, had an issue with that, and again, of course, thought I was taking a shot at Michigan, which I wasn't. But it's still strange. It doesn't change anything about it being kind of a weird situation. But I do think that there is a little bit of weirdness on Michigan's side because again, hindsight, you always find out after the fact, like, you know, stuff that you didn't know ahead of time, but I just talked to a couple of people and they said that Willie Allen had no business being at Michigan. Like he wasn't good enough to be there. And so my thought is, and, and you can look at his track record where he's transferred a bunch of times already. If he's a marginal talent or not very good, like why, why was he brought to Michigan? Who was in charge of that? How many people went into that decision? I mean, at the, at the end of the day, in the grand scheme of things, it's like no harm, no foul. I mean, he's not there anymore. He's gone, whatever. They didn't take a roster spot from a guy during the season. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I just find myself asking, like, why was he ever there? Yeah, that's and that's a fair question. I, you know, I asked the same question as well. And obviously being on the outside looking in, it's hard to say what went into the decision to want to bring him. But you're right. I, I mean, I felt optimistic initially I felt at worst he would add some depth on the offensive line maybe a guy even though he's traveled quite a bit that's just got some experience he's been around he's seen some different programs but you know at the end of the day yeah it's strange because it's just not something that you see happening in college football on a frequent basis a guy that transfers in and then you know a couple months later is is transferred out but again you don't see a lot of people go the route that you know Willie Allen has gone where he's he's had that many stops and so you know, even factoring that into the decision to bring him, like somebody obviously thought it was worth the risk and you're right. No harm, no foul. He's, you know, he's moving on for whatever reason he wasn't going to play here. And, you know, it's not a huge deal. It's just a, you know, it's odd. It's another one of those just kind of weird deals. I'm not, I'm not saying, yeah. and I, like I said, if I was doing like a, a breakdown, I, this is 80, 20, Willie Allen. I mean, when you're at your fifth yeah. school in fifth years, like that, that in five years, like that's, that's on the, that's on the, on the kid that's on him but you again, know what it's like you know what it's like like let's say you know th- there's this girl from your hometown right and she's dated i don't know four or five different guys and you think you know i'm gonna give it a shot i can change her whatever it is you know and then you end up breaking up after a couple of weeks and she goes somewhere else like yeah a lot of it's her but you also you know why'd you do you, that dude? you kind of you kind of knew what you were getting into exactly so, that's that's yeah. a good analogy it is because again thanks buddy not hurting anything, not a big deal. Probably speaks way more to Willie Allen than it does the Michigan culture, which I do think there is. It's not perfect by any stretch. Agreed. It's still, it's still just kind of strange. Like if you, if you saw the guy on film and you thought he could really come in and help you, and then he gets there and he's buried on the depth chart, then somebody messed up a little bit somewhere to where you thought he was going to be better than he was, or maybe you thought you could get more out of him and it just didn't work out. And again, now he's moving on for the fifth time. So, well, how much truth is there? I, I've seen it floating around a little bit that he had put on a significant amount of weight. Yeah, I after, saw that he, he came, after he got to Michigan, saw that he came in out of shape. I think he opted out in 2020, right? So he didn't even play last I believe year. So, yeah. So, but again, it's just like you just said. You've watched this guy move from school to school to school. Yeah. Not not be a dominant force. 
I don't know how good he really was at Louisiana Tech. And, you know, I didn't, I haven't crunched the numbers or really looked into it. But again, just knowing a little bit that I did know about him, I thought it was a good move at the beginning. And now it just seems like a weird one. I mean, I don't know. At the end of the day, he's gone. You don't need to spend a lot of time on that situation, but it's, it's, uh, it's not a good look for him at all. And for Michigan, it just feels a little bit like somebody didn't quite do enough homework. And that's, right. that's, that's where it's at at the end of the day. And now he'll be moving on to somewhere else. Uh, another situation that is a, a much bigger bummer, I think, is the Xavier Worthy situation, which now seems to have a, uh, an ending and that he will be playing for Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. This is just a really talented kid. I know he kind of seemed like a drama king a little bit. Drama, drama. Can you say drama queen? I don't know, whatever. Seemed like he liked the yeah, drama. You can say it. Why not? Seemed like he liked drama, a little bit of a diva, you know, liked the attention. Went to Alabama towards the later part of the process. Looked like he might flip. He didn't. Stuck with Michigan. Signed. Couldn't enroll early for various reasons. Didn't want to stay the traditional route and show up in Ann Arbor in, in June. Now he's with Texas, and that's where he's going to play. Super, super fast. Ar- Ar- yeah, for now. Yeah, again, this is you kind of follow the track record and see what happens here. It wouldn't be surprising if something didn't work out and he jumped ship just by things by the way, by how things have gone so far. But, but talented, I mean, immensely talented, super fast, can jump out of the gym, not the biggest dude in the world, pretty skinny, but can fly, can, can really turn short plays into long ones, take the top off of defense, all the cliche things you say about a speedy receiver. But this, is, this hurts on the talent side of things. This hurts Michigan's roster. Um, looked like a kid that was going to be able to probably maybe get on the field as a freshman. I mean, when you got a guy that fast, you try to get him the ball a little bit and receivers a position where you can do that. So the fact that he's not going to be there, it's not great, even though maybe he wouldn't have been a great culture fit. His boy, Giles Jackson is obviously not at Michigan anymore. So it just, it felt like the natural progression of how it was going to end up, but still again, from a purely from a a talent standpoint, it's a loss. Yeah. There's no question about it purely from a talent standpoint, it's a loss, but I think looking at, looking at the situation in its entirety. uh, I think it's, I think we're better off with him not being here. I'd be surprised if he finishes his college career at Texas. He just seems like one of those guys where, you know, he's, he's always going to have one eye kind of looking around and, you know, one eye where he's at one eye looking around to see, you know, if if the grass is greener somewhere else and uh, top to bottom, this thing, just the whole thing stinks, you know, it, it, nothing about this leaves a good taste in your mouth. I mean, granted, some guys choose to, you know, they'll, they'll commit to your school and then they'll back out of the commitment and go somewhere else, but to get as far along in the process as he was. And then, you know, you hear some of the chatter, the background chatter about how his recruitment went and then he ends up at Texas and there's, you know, there's more chatter about the fact that Texas continued to recruit him, whether or not that's, you know, there's any validity to that. Pretty knows? certain it looks like that. Correct. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, then, then there's that element to it. The whole thing just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And I sort of walk away from it saying, yes, tremendous athlete, but when, you know, guys like you and I already think there's a culture issue at Michigan. To me, he's not the type of guy that's going to help that anymore. If, if anything, I think he's the kind of guy where if you bring somebody like that in and there's already some issues, he just makes those issues even, even greater than they would have been. So I think both sides are better off. In this I, case. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. And I don't even, I don't know him very well. I never met him personally in covering his recruitment. I've you know, shot a few messages back and forth with them, but that's really about it. So I don't want to take a too, too big of a jab at his character, but, but even just the surface stuff, even if you didn't dive deep into it, it just, 
he doesn't look like it doesn't he doesn't scream team player he doesn't right. scream culture solidifier you know and again i, I don't want to take too much of a shot at him he's like it's an 18 year old kid he's trying to get his he's trying to make the biggest decision of his life he's trying to do what's best for him i get all of that i get all of it but i agree with you 100 if there is even a slight crack in the foundation of michigan's culture he's the kind of kid it seems like that that wouldn't help it at the at the very least wouldn't help it might not come in and be a, a cancer and make it horrible and let things crumble around him but doesn't seem like the kind of guy that you bring in and, and solidify and help to fix a culture. So I think that's a fair thing to say. I hope I'm not overstepping by saying that. And I think most people would agree with that. Wish him nothing but the best. Hope he has yeah. an amazing career at Texas. If he does go somewhere else, whatever, do your thing, man. But yeah, it's talents from a talent perspective. It's a bummer for overall. It might not be probably won't be. And I, I, I see a lot of people say, you know, when a kid decides to leave, whether it's a recruit or a player who was at the school and decides to transfer, or you know, a kid who was deciding between Michigan and another school and goes somewhere else. And they say, ah, good riddance. One player doesn't mean anything. And I just don't, I don't really agree with that sentiment though. Like you have to, one player might not, but one player and then another player. And like, at some point, one player becomes more than one. You know what I mean? Like you have to well, build your roster with one player at a time. So think about this. Think at about some this. point you have to get guys that are going to help you from a talent perspective, I think. 100%. And along those same lines, you know, let's say you're looking at another big 10 team. Let's say it's Northwestern or Rutgers or whoever it is that you want to take. That's, you know, not considered part of the upper tier of the big 10. If you take an ad, Joe Miller, Giles Jackson, Xavier Worthy, and Zach Charbonnet to that roster. That's a pretty good offensive collection of guys that you have there. So yes, individually, it's just one person. But if you look at the collection of guys that Michigan has sent elsewhere or that have left Michigan to go elsewhere, it adds up to a pretty good core of talented individuals. Now, whether or not you can develop that talent is a whole nother story, but that's a lot of talent right mm -hmm. there to where if you're on the opposing sideline, they're going to present a problem. And I also think you just never know. You never know how big of an impact one guy can have. Now, I don't know if Xavier right. Worthy is that kind of guy. He certainly has elite speed, can be a big-time playmaker, and, and you know, really electrifying player at the wide receiver position. I don't know if he's going to be you know, all-conference, all-America. All you just don't know. But yeah to say that one player just doesn't make a big deal is just, it's just not, it's just not fair because it, right. it really can't tell, tell that to Rondell Moore and Purdue. Right. I mean, you get, sure. one, you get one guy who can really change the whole dynamic of what you do on offense and it can make a really big deal. I don't know if Xavier worthy will ever be that guy or if he ever would have been at Michigan. I'm not defending the fact that, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say, Michigan is, is just going to be awful without him. Like that's not, that's not what I'm saying at all, but one guy can make a pretty big difference in the right situation. Certainly. And we'll see Absolutely. what that looks like. We'll see what that looks like with him at Texas. So again, hope he does well there. It does stink how it played out just all around, but at, at the end of the day, Michigan might end up being better off as a whole without a kid like that, because it just seemed like there were, I don't know, man, there was a little, there's just a little stuff going on all over the place throughout his entire recruitment. So yeah. good luck to him. He'll be in Austin. Michigan will be just fine in their receiver room. They do have a lot of talent and a lot of speed there, but that is a kid that we talked about this before. That is a kid who you can start to close the talent gap a little bit with some of these schools that Michigan is behind a little bit. Absolutely. And, and even if you, you know, even if you have concerns and, and I'll just say, 
you know, I've never met the guy personally. The only thing I know about him is probably the same as you is that you see a lot of the social media stuff. Yeah. And he's definitely not one to bite his tongue on social media. So he puts a lot out there. And, you know, typically with guys like that, um, you can get a general sense of, of who they are and kind of what they're about. But those are also the types of guys that, you know, I, I'm sure you find a lot of those guys at Ohio State or Clemson or, you know, these these higher profile athletes that just have a, you know, a, a sense of confidence and arrogance about them that, yes, you see it on social media, but it also carries over into the field of play and it helps in the field of play. So it rubs, it rubs opposing fan bases the wrong way. But if he's correct, on your team, you love it. You it's love it. Classic, classic case of that. So that's why I'm like, you know what? He's not here. Good riddance, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm a Michigan football fan. So I'm all about what's going on with Michigan football. I, I choose to believe he's not here for a reason, but uh, at the same time, if he was here, I'd be pretty happy about it. So yeah, hey, there you go. There you go. And I said the same thing I tweeted, you know, like kind of a bummer how this one played out. I was excited to see him at Michigan. I, I mean, you, I don't, I don't know how you can put on his tape, watch it in high school and be like, I don't, what, I don't care. I, I, yeah. I don't, I never wanted him. Well, nah, I think you're lying to yourself a little bit. Cause he's not coming. I think that's what that is. I will. I remember back to when he was going through the process of visiting Alabama before signing day, I was texting with him. He said, so, I said something along the lines of like, Oh man, visiting Alabama, Michigan fans have seen this movie before. We know how this usually plays out. You know, he said, it doesn't play out like that with me. I'm different. And I yeah. was like, sure, sure you are. You know, and then lo and behold, signing day came and he signed with Michigan. I was like, all right. I texted him back. I'm like, you are different, man. I'll give you props with their due. And now, and now he's leaving and now he's going yeah. somewhere else. So, you know, like I said, it is how it is what it is. It's a bummer from a talent perspective, big picture. I think Michigan will be fine and maybe, maybe, maybe even better without him. Um, last one on this player moving teams thing. We had a little trio that we talked about Willie Allen, Xavier worthy, and now Joe Milton, we won't spend a ton of time on him. Cause we talked about this before, but he put out on his Instagram, uh, officially at Tennessee and I'm interested. I'm interested in what Joe Milton is going to do at Tennessee. Not because I want to, you know, rub it into Michigan's face for getting rid of a guy like that, but he's a guy I watched in high school. I loved his upside. I loved his physical skills. Yes, he had accuracy issues. He wasn't that great playing for Michigan. I get all of that. I mean, I don't think it's going to, this is another case. I don't think him leaving Michigan is going to make or break whatever they were going to do this year, but I'm really curious to see how he does there because of Josh Heupel's offense. I didn't watch their spring game. I don't know if it was on TV or not, but I know they made a pretty big deal out of it. And I saw a lot of people talking about it on Twitter. Um, I asked Matt Ray, who covers the, who covers the Vols for sports illustrated you know, what are the thoughts on Milton's ability to win the starting job now after you saw the spring game and what the offense is going to look like and the quarterbacks on the roster. And he said that Milton's real confident about it. Like Milton feels like it's his job to lose and he's not even there yet. Um, Harrison Bailey was a big time recruit. He had a solid day during the spring game and he's expected to grow quite a bit from now until the fall under a new coach and a new offense and everything. But it, it feels like it's really, really open and that Milton could end up being the guy and I know the people around the Tennessee program are excited about it because they're like, dude, this guy is freaking huge. And like he can whip. I mean, yeah, he's he's as physically gifted as any quarterback prospect you're going to find. Yeah. But as we know, and as we've seen, that's 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 not enough because he he just wasn't all that great at Michigan. I mean, yeah. there's nothing wrong with saying that because that's what it was. Now, was he was he put in the best positions to succeed all the time? I don't think he was. I don't. And I think that's been the problem with a lot of talented offensive players at Michigan over the last few years. But to say that he was a Heisman candidate in waiting and Michigan screwed him up, I don't think that that's not fair either. 
Um, I'm just curious where you fall on this. I mean, you didn't cover him in high school. Obviously, you probably didn't know much about him until you saw him on the field last fall. So, you know, thoughts on what he did at Michigan and what he might potentially do at Tennessee. Well, I was I was super high on him, you know, coming into, you know, what would have been, I guess, his junior year when he won the starting job. I, I thought he was going to win the starting job just based on, you know, the little bit that I had seen from him in garbage time, but also you know, the measurables, you know, the fact that the guy was, he, he seemed like he was built for big 10 football. And given the fact that he had been in the program for as long as he was, you know, I trusted that um, whatever accuracy issues he may have had coming to Michigan, that a lot of that would have been corrected just by being at a program like Michigan for, you know, for two years going into your third year. Um, and yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I wouldn't say I'm shocked that it didn't work out here. I'm disappointed it didn't work out because I don't think we got to see what he's truly capable of here. And, and that's part of the reason why I'm excited to see him at Tennessee, because, you know, I do hope that he does well and we get to see, you know, what he's fully capable of. I do wonder, you know, we've only seen it with Brandon Peters, right? Brandon Peters is so far, you know, when you look at Peters, McCaffrey, and Milton, Peters is the only guy who's moved on to go start somewhere else. We still, you know, McCaffrey, obviously, with where he's going, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to get that starting job there. I think that's a safe bet. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Milton, right? So those are the three Jim Harbaugh quarterback recruits, the three main quarterback recruits. It does make me wonder, though, with as much as Joe Milton struggled and Obviously, they went with Milton over McCaffrey. So they saw something there that they didn't see with McCaffrey. A lot of the fan base believes that not only was McCaffrey the better guy, but that McCaffrey was really, really, really good, which I have a hard time believing given where he transferred. But depending on what Milton does at Tennessee, I think that's really going to speak to, you know, is Michigan really that bad at identifying talent or you know, like, is, is there an issue there? Like if Joe Milton becomes a solid quarterback at Tennessee, then it makes sense that, you know, Michigan would go with Milton over McCaffrey because clearly Milton's got the talent. Michigan just didn't have the ability to develop it or utilize it. But if Milton goes and stinks it up at Tennessee too, then I wonder like, how the hell did he win the starting job at Michigan over a guy like McCaffrey? So like it, I, that's why I'm interested to see Milton in Tennessee. Cause I want to see what he's going to do. If he's good. It's going to lead to questions. If he's bad, it's going to lead to questions and I'll keep my eye on it for sure. It's, it's like a lot of the stuff we've talked about, like because Michigan is struggling, you try, you're, we're all trying to find reasons why or answers why. Why is that happening? Why is Michigan not doing well? And it's, it's like the transfer thing we've talked about. Like, you know, people who say like, well, it's transferring is just the way of college football now. Michigan, yeah, Michigan's got more transfers than anyone in the Big Ten since last year. And only eight programs in the entire country have had more transfers than Michigan since the portal started, but like, it's just transferring. It's not a big deal. Those guys didn't go on to become all Americans anyway, so they shouldn't have been at Michigan. And then you say, well, well, hold on. Well, then why were they, why were they at Michigan? Why did Michigan recruit them and bring them in? Like any, any way you come at it, there are questions to answer or to ask. And I think that's a really good point. You just brought up about Milton. If he kills it, then you're going to say, well, why the hell couldn't they get him to kill it at Michigan? And if he stinks, then you say, well, why was he at Michigan? Why did they, you know, clearly- how did he, how did he win the job over McCaffrey? Yeah. You know, how, how does that happen? So either way, whatever happens at Tennessee with this guy is going to really, to me, it's going to, it's going to show one thing or the other. And, and that's really what I'm looking for in these transfers. And we, you know, Brandon Peters, again, went to Illinois. It's not like, 
I don't know. He, he's done pretty well there. He's earned the starting job there. Um, but I don't think that that one is, you know, it, it's a Michigan quarterback who went to another Big Ten program and started. So this will be number two. We'll see how, you know, Joe Milton does in the SEC. But you're right. If, if he lights it up, it's going to lead to a lot of questions. And if he really shits the bed, it's going to lead to a lot of questions. So either yeah. way, there will be questions. <laughs> I think that's true. I think that's true. Is there, well, let me ask you this then. Is there any scenario that, that plays out with Joe Milton where, where Michigan fans are, I don't want to say happy, but can say like, okay, I understand everything. I understand exactly why it went the way that it went. Is there, is there a situation, you know, where, Cause if he, I mean, like if he doesn't even win the starting job, I don't, you won't really be able to pull any conclusions other than the fact that he like didn't beat out Harrison Bailey, who was another really big time recruit and has been okay at Tennessee already. I just wonder like what, you know, is, is there a scenario that happens with Joe Milton at Tennessee where Michigan fans can just kind of say I'm content or that's what I expected or no big deal, whatever. No, no. Well, I think that's it. He doesn't win the starting job or if he does win the starting job, he's like very average at best. And then maybe loses same, same scenario as what happened in 2020, maybe makes it four or five games in the season before he's replaced. And usually when that happens, I think Michigan fans for the most part, go back to the fact that, yeah, see, he wasn't any good. So we wouldn't want him here. And they, they neglect the reality that, well, yeah, but we recruited him, you know? So there's always that part that I think people just forget when you look at a transfer, you want to say that guy left because he sucks and couldn't get it done here. You can't say that without also putting an indictment on people that are recruiting these guys and bringing them here, you know? So there's no matter how you look at it. And you've said this multiple times before, no matter how you want to try to spin it, whatever way you go, there's holes that can be poked in it. And not a lot of people, I think just to the general fan, they're not looking at it through the lens that we're looking at it, where we're trying to analyze and figure these things out. They see a guy who's struggling or not putting up the numbers. They see him go elsewhere and they say, you know what? He didn't belong here. He couldn't hack it here. Yeah. And it's, it is uh it's amplified at quarterback. There's no doubt about it. 100%. It's, it's, it's amplified at quarterback. And now there is a pretty distinct pattern at quarterback at Michigan under Jim Harbaugh. And that's, there is no question about it's that. It's just really surprising because nobody thought that was going to be an issue. I remember when Jim Harbaugh got hired, I just assumed like the, the best quarterback in the country is coming to Michigan every year now. Yeah. Like that's just what's going to happen. And hasn't even been close to that. And the guys that have come haven't worked out. I mean, we've run through the list many times. Zach Gentry, they moved him to tight end. Looks like a good move. I mean, he's in the yeah. NFL. He's getting paid to play football, but that was, you know, he was supposed to be the guy to really get things off the launch pad right out of the gate from Michigan with, you know, Jim Harbaugh stole him away from Texas. He was committed to Texas. Harbaugh got yeah. the job. He was riding the wave, brought Gentry in for a visit. Boom. He flips. He's going to be the guy. Alex Malzone was already committed to Brady Hoke when Jim Harbaugh got the job. He stayed in the class. He ended up transferring to, I think, Ball State or Miami of Ohio or something like that. I don't, I don't even know if he ever, if he ever played there. I'd have to look that up. But, but so he didn't stick around. Then you mentioned the three that we just talked about: Peters, Milton, McCaffrey, all gone. Never did anything very significant at Michigan, even though all of them had their chances to play. And st- st- did McCaffrey ever start a game at Michigan? I think he. Milton did obviously he, started a, a, a couple or one or two, and Peter started a handful as well. So. Did McCaffrey get the nod at Wisconsin, or did he come in for when he got his block knocked off when he when he had that you know there was that yeah, big hit on concussed. him? He, yeah, when uh, was he starting there, or did he come in for Patterson? I think maybe that had been when Michigan went into the half like seventeen to nothing. They were down. Maybe McCaffrey had come in at that point. I'm not sure if he actually ever ended up getting a start. 
Uh, let's see. I don't think he ever started a game. I don't yeah. think he ever started a game at Michigan. I'm reading through his. Yeah. No, never started. Never started a game at Michigan. So it's that's not a big deal to the to the overall point. The point is that the track record is what it is. And we've talked about it before. If Alan Bowman comes in and starts and then McCarthy's under the wings, then McNamara is probably leaving, too. It's just one after another, the same, the same, the same development. I don't get how anybody can look at that and not at least raise an eyebrow. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at what's going on specifically at that position, given who Jim Harbaugh is and what he has done throughout his career, you know, I, it's just one of the most puzzling might things be the most entire tenure. Like I can't think of anything else. That's more, more of a head scratcher than that. one. Yep. I agree. Might be the most surprising thing that's happened at, at Michigan on his watch that he, that yeah. quarter, that quarterback has been such a revolving door and just hasn't really been figured out. I mean, some guys have played well. I mean, we've gone through that list before too. Rudock played well. Um, but he was a transfer. Wilton Spade yeah. played well at times. Wasn't Harbaugh's guy was already on the roster. And then Patterson obviously had some good moments too, but he was also a transfer. So it's just been strange, yeah. man. And we'll see it again, maybe this year with Bowman. Um, you know, if McC- if McNamara can win the job and has a solid season, he'll be the first, he'll be the first Jim Harbaugh recruited quarterback to do so, which is yeah. insane. It's just, well, it's crazy. Well, Milton did it right, but he didn't, he didn't last well, to do, long. to do well, I mean, I, right. Yeah, to, to do, to, yeah, to do well. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Milton started a couple of games and was, and then was yanked for McNamara. So yeah. yeah, just a, just a weird unexplainable type of thing under Jim Harbaugh, who looked like he was going to have that position just humming when he got the job. I mean, that's what everybody thought. And at this type of program, yeah. it's just strange to me that they mm-hmm. cannot recruit and develop legitimate, like, a quarterback who's considered a top 10, top 15 quarterback in college football should be playing at the university of Michigan. Yeah. So again, to put a bow on it, it will be really interesting to see how Dylan McCaffrey looks at again, it's Northern Colorado. He's playing for his dad. I mean, you would expect him to do well there. If he doesn't, that would be pretty surprising in itself. Do you think that's any indictment on him? You know, if, if he was as good as a lot of people thought he was, don't you think he would have ended up at another D one, you know, legit? I think he, I'm school? sure he could have. I really, I, okay. I, so I you really think, think this was more have. of like a, he was just over it, wanted to go play where his going dad home. was. Going home, yeah. playing for his dad. You know, he's still, I mean, look, he's got, a, his dad played a long time in the NFL. He's got a very yeah. successful brother who's playing in the NFL and he's a smart dude. Like you, you don't have to play at Alabama or Texas or USC or Michigan to make it to the NFL. I mean, sure. if he goes to Northern Colorado and lights it up, and then is 6'5", 220, and does good at the comp. I mean, he'll go pro. I mean, yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. where you're at. I don't know how much of that went into his decision, but with the, you know, with the, the family lineage that he has of people playing in the league, I'm certain that's part of his hopeful future. But, it, you know, we'll see. And then, obviously, like we said with Milton, you know, what happens with him at Tennessee, it'll just be interesting to see how that, how that all plays out. Speaking of the NFL, um, this, is a, this is an interesting topic for me. And be and more so, it, I feel like you've actually put more thought into this than I ever really have. And maybe it's because, um, maybe it's because I've been covering Michigan for a lot longer, and I just haven't really thought of it from this angle as in terms of just being a fan. I mean, I grew up a Michigan fan. I still consider myself one, but I have I have changed my thought process a lot in covering the team for eight years. It's just a it just happens that way. I know you've only been doing it for a little while and you've already said you're kind of looking at things differently and thinking about things differently and you learn more and you, you hear more and it just makes you change your perspective quite a bit. So with eight years in, 
I, I just don't really think of it this way quite as much, but your take on, <laughs> I guess I'll just put it out. Your take on how little you care about Michigan players doing well in the NFL is really interesting to me. I think that it there, you know, it's a great selling point when you're recruiting, when you can say, you might have to help me with the teams, Michigan, Michigan state, Florida, Florida and USC, Florida and USC yeah. are the so, only four teams who have put a player in the NFL draft every year that it's existed, which that's, I can't believe Michigan state is on that list, but that's crazy. There's crazy. only, yeah. there's only four teams that have done it. Michigan and Michigan state are both on the list along with Florida and USC. And then Michigan has also had a player drafted in something like help me with the number again. Uh, it's, I forget what it is, but they're, let's put it this way. They're tied with Clemson at number four okay. for the most for the most draft picks whatever that i forget what the time frame is but either way michigan is with clemson and people are looking at that like see you know michigan is you know they're doing things that clemson is doing and so, so obviously there's a couple angles to that one is you know where where players are picked i mean if if you're consistently putting guys in the top two rounds versus just getting a guy drafted once in a while in the fourth fifth sixth seventh round that's going to that's going to play a major part in how successful those teams are in college. But I think the, the point is that you just don't really care. You don't really care how guys do at the NFL. And that's not, let me, let me, let me try to to say that they don't matter once they leave Michigan, but like you're, I, I agree with you. It looks great on a poster. It's a great recruiting tool to say, like you come to Michigan, you're got, you got a good chance of getting the league, which you do. That's not, that's not wrong. But at the same time, as a Michigan fan, do you really care if Mo Hurst goes on to lead the Raiders in sacks? Now he's with the San Francisco 49ers. But, like, that's the point. You just don't really care that much. I don't give a damn (laughs) at all. Like, as a Michigan fan, it doesn't matter to me how many people we're sending to the draft, how well they're doing in the NFL. You know, I think it's cool if, if I catch a game on Sunday, like full disclosure, I'm not a huge NFL. Fan. I was just so going to say, I was going to so preface maybe, that. Right. So maybe that plays a role in my thinking, but I am a, I'm as big of a Michigan football fan as anybody else. I care about what those guys do while they're here, what the results are while they're here. If somebody, you know, goes first round, you know, in the NFL draft, but didn't do you know, and when I say don't do anything individually speaking, they might've had a good career, but, you know, did it lead to big 10 titles? Did it lead to, you know, competitive games against Ohio state? If that's not part of their career at Michigan, I don't care what they're doing at the next level. It doesn't matter to me. So that's kind of where I stand with it. I think, uh, you know, I think it's great that we're sending a lot of people to the NFL. And when I see graphics like that, like, Hey, Michigan is tied with Clemson or Michigan is doing yada, yada, yada in terms of NFL draft picks. The reality is as a Michigan football fan, that does nothing for me. I think for some people, you know, it's again, it's one of those things where you don't have a lot to brag about. So you can sort of turn right. to that and be like, well, we're turning out NFL town. Me as a Michigan football fan, I look at that and say, then why the hell aren't we doing better while they're here? You know, why aren't we achieving more while they're here? And I get there's a difference between a first round pick and a fifth round pick. But at the end of the day, look at all the other Big Ten programs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we should be at the very least killing it on the football field and competing with 
Ohio State. And, you know, I'm not the only one that feels that way. You know, Charles Woodson, probably a lot of people know his name, had put out a tweet not too long. I think it was before last year's draft comparing the numbers between Michigan and Ohio State. And he said something to the I can pull up the tweet if you give me a minute here. I actually have it saved on my phone. But he, you know, kind of the same thing that I'm talking about here that, yeah, it's all great. It's all fine and good that Michigan is sending guys to the league. But what is it doing to actually help Michigan? Here's his tweet. He said, it's pretty astounding that uh, University of Michigan football has 10 players selected in the draft. And all you ever hear is that we don't have talent. We have talent, but haven't been beating the other team on this list with 10 players drafted, which is Ohio State. He said, that's what's missing. So, yeah, we it's it's not that we don't have the talent to compete. We're just not competing. And there's a difference there. And a guy like Woodson understands that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there, there's a lot of ways to dive into that and there's a lot of takeaways you can have, I think. And I think it is important because having the number two overall pick and chase young, and then you have the Bosa brothers and you have multiple like top 10, top 15 type guys from Ohio state over the last handful of years. And I don't know if there's any from Michigan, Garrett, Rashawn, Gary, Devin Bush peppers peppers was a late first round pick, but the, yeah, there's not, there's not nearly as many. So sure. again, the talent level, I mean, that's, that's like, you know, the number one recruit in the country versus the number 40. I mean, there's a difference. There certainly is a difference, but I, I think the, the other point, part of your point is valid. It, th- then, then how do you explain the, the, the 40 point loss to Wisconsin and the loss to Penn state right. and the loss to Michigan state and the, the loss to Indiana, who isn't anywhere, anywhere near those lists, I not mean, even in the conversation. Wisconsin, Wisconsin does. All right. They put some guys in the league again, not top 10 guys, not top 20 guys. Not a, not a boatload of first rounders, but they do put some dudes in the league, Michigan state. They're not putting a lot of guys in the league. Indiana certainly isn't in in the list. The list goes on and on. Right. So yeah, to, to, and, and look, if, if you got a, if you have a huge issue with what Charles Woodson said, then I guess take it up with him and see how far you get, but you know, you don't have to listen to us. He's not a true fan. Yeah. You don't have to listen to us, but you could probably listen to him. And again, it's not quite apples to apples, but the point is what it is. And right. I, I'm with you. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you probably be the minority in a lot of Michigan circles, but I know we've focused specifically on Tom Brady before. You're like, I don't give a crap how many Super Bowls he has. I really don't. I and, mean, and it's cool. Like, it's cool. It is. Yeah. The best quarterback, the best player ever went to Michigan. That's dope. But like, right. Again, what is that really doing for what Michigan is trying to accomplish on the field? Even when he was there, you know, he had some nice wins and the, the, you know, the things that he did towards the tail end of his Michigan career. But the overall point is great. I hope it helps Michigan recruit guys. I hope it helps everything that they're trying to do. But at the end of the day, what's happening on the field isn't really indicative of some of those chest pounding numbers that people like yeah. to throw out there. It's just, it's, you know, it's shiny, distracting objects from, you know, if, if it's not clicking on the field, I don't care what else is being dangled around me in terms of draft picks or who's succeeding at the next level or, you know, historical numbers or, you know, referencing back to how Bo Schembechler would have, could have, should have done things like none of that interests me anymore. And and to be quite honest, a lot of times when, not a lot of times, almost every time I hear somebody talk about, you know, history with Michigan or they revert back to the Bo era, or they start saying things like those who stay will be changed. I just cringe. It's been so long since any of that has actually been, you know, legitimate and valid that I just don't even see it as a talking point anymore. So yeah, I'm, I am all in on Michigan football. I want Michigan football to succeed and anything that's happening outside of that 
really doesn't impact me too much. Now, I will say I am really excited for a guy like Quiddy Pay. I'm excited to see where he goes in the draft. His story is just incredible, and that's part of the excitement that I have for him coming up. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to see sort of a dream fulfilled coming up here, and, and I'll try to you know catch a game or see how he's doing in the league. Um, but outside of those rare instances, it just doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, and I think there, to be clear, it's not like you're, you're not saying like I, I, I don't care about that person anymore, like or what they're doing Correct. for their, yeah personal achievements or their, their future, their families, the, the financial gains that like, it's not that it's just the performance thing for Michigan versus what they end up ultimately doing in the NFL. This is totally speaking from a sports perspective. You yeah. know, it has nothing to do with who they are. Like, I don't hope they fall ill and go better. It won't, you know, it won't affect me. Um, you know, it's, it's just sports related. Like, good. I'm glad it's happening for them. I'm glad that Michigan can put it on a recruiting poster and say, look how many guys we're sending to the league. I'm sure that's a big deal for recruits, but it doesn't do anything for me as a fan until it starts to lead to success on the field. When that happens, then yeah, I'll be boasting about all of that. But in, until that happens, it just feels disingenuous to brag about draft picks when you're not winning. Cause it feels like you're really reaching for something to like be happy about or to brag about when the reality is you would rather just be beating teams on false Saturdays. There you have it. There you have it. Well, somebody who is having success, Juwan Howard, man, just keeps, I mean, it's, you know, whether it's something that we put out or something that gets released by the university or something that another outlet does, whether, you know, when it comes to recruiting or just like the, he just, he just don't, he just can't miss. He really can't miss. And now he's, He's talking to some high-level recruits. Jalen Duran comes to mind immediately. I'll have a little bit more on that later today. Big-time power forward in the 2022 class, six foot ten, athletic freak, can pretty much do it all. So Juwan's talking to him, right? And what does Juwan say to him? You remind me of Chris Weber. And like, I, I do like. How does that not land? Even though this kid yeah. wasn't even alive when Weber played, but then you know the kid goes on to say like, I watched film. I watched highlights of Chris Weber and like, damn, like he was the number one overall pick. Like he really like coach Howard really thinks that could be me. And like, tell me that that doesn't resonate with that kid. So again, all the good stuff we've ever said about Juwan Howard, all the props, all the shine well-deserved and probably more. And now there's a, a, a recent update to the odds. Michigan has the third highest odds per fan duel. You said DraftKings. DraftKings. Draft there you go. Per, third highest odds per DraftKings to win the national title next year behind only Villanova and Gonzaga, yeah. which we just talked about it on the last episode. Will Juwan Howard win a title in the next three years? I think he will. I think he's got as good of a shot as anybody. And so do the people who make a living out of stealing people's money. I mean, like, you know, like, like I said before, there's a reason why, Every time Vegas comes out with a line or an odds or anything like that, there's a reason I think, you know, because they're, yeah. they know what they're talking about. So I just think it's a, I just think it, I just think it's another feather in Juwan Howard's cap and he's, he's about running out of room, dude. I mean, he's going to fly away. He's got so many damn feathers up there. It's almost, it's almost a little nerve wracking, you know, because I remember being in this spot with Jim Harbaugh Ooh, in don't, 2016. Don't do that, dude. Don't now, do that. I, you know what? I have to, <laughs> and I'm going to, damn it, because people need to hear it. You know, we were we were in this same spot, you know, with Jim Harbaugh at the end of 2016, and that one inch that, that in hindsight, probably made the difference in the entire trajectory of his coaching legacy at the University of Michigan. I mean, it's it's hard to overstate just how consequential that game and that moment was 
given where we're at now. But at the end of 2016, the general consensus was Michigan's back. Like, yeah, we lost it. Yeah, that one sucked. But now we're here. It's only good things from here. And uh, that's kind of where, you know, everybody's at right now with with Michigan, with the Michigan basketball program is that, you know, it sucked losing in the Elite Eight. But damn it, we're here now. And Jawan Howard's got this thing humming. There's no drop off from, you know, from John Beeline to Jawan Howard. We're good to go. So I get it's apples and oranges, but I also just wonder, given all of the love that Jawan Howard is getting, which seems eerily similar to, you know, believe it or not, once upon a time, it was a love fest with Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. And we were all trying to buy khakis and wear the skinny block M hat. And, you know, it, it was it was uh, very similar. So I, I do have faith that Jawan Howard's going to keep this thing going. But as a Michigan fan, I cannot help but have that cold, dark place in my heart that just expects it all to fall, play, fall <laughs> apart. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Jim Harbaugh has broken you. You are a broken, broken. man. I am a broken man. Wow. I have been, yeah, I, I completely shattered. I, I have no think... faith in, in, in anything uh, <laughs> Michigan related. Zero. So I was trying to, I was trying to have basketball be this big shining beacon at the end of the pod now. And now, but it's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I'm saying where it's at now is good. I'm just saying, you know, just let's see what happens in year three. Let's see what he does. And let, you know, my expectation is that, you know, wherever things went wrong with the football team, I, you know, I have more faith in, let me put it this way. I've got more faith in Juwan Howard than I have ever had in a Michigan football coach in my adult life. I just feel like he's got it. And we've talked about it before. The things that he does well, aren't the things that suddenly disappear. Genuine guy, likable guy, as real as they come hell of a recruiter he's proven he can develop by what he did with the transfer portal with Shondi brown and mike smith and some of the you know some of the guys on the roster that he just got the most out of i think that that's something that's going to you know we didn't really see that with jim harbaugh he already had kind of a stacked deck believe it or not in 2016 he just had to kind of put the pieces in the right place well juan howard is really sort of building something he's got a really good class coming in i see no reason why they should fall off other than the fact that i've been a michigan fan long enough to where i just kind of expect it yeah that's an interesting point that you made about you know the things that juan howard does well just don't go away um you know the culture the his personality his charisma how he connects with his guys obviously too you're dealing with a much much smaller roster so you you can right you know, you can, you can get a point across and you can change the culture and you can mold some things a lot faster, I think in basketball than you can in football, but even, even going back to when Jim Harbaugh was hired, he was never, he was, I mean, as, as over the moon as I was, and as everybody was when he was hired as Michigan's head coach. And then in 2016, when he was on the doorstep of beating Ohio state and going to Indy and then potentially playing in the playoff, He's never been really billed as the kind of guy that Juwan Howard is billed as on a, da- on a daily basis. I don't never. think anybody would have said there was a culture problem in 2016, but it still didn't have the Juwan Howard feel. That, That's because like, we spent the bulk of the season ranked in like the top five. So yeah. whenever you're winning, winning whether there's Hills, a culture man. issue or not, nobody gives a shit because you're high in the AP poll and, you know, looking like you're going to do some big things. So. Yeah, like but yeah, I, mean, I, I don't ever, I don't ever recall thinking of Jim Harbaugh in the same manner that I think about Jawan Howard, just in terms of who he is as a person. And super, that's not, 
I'm not trying to like knock Jim Harbaugh. They're just two different guys. Right. Yeah. And I think Jawan Howard has the type of personality that in particular, you know, grew up in Chicago, you know, you know what his background is young men who are looking to do big things in the basketball world are probably going to pay pretty damn close attention to what Juwan Howard has to say. All right, Chris, who are you closer to personality wise, Jim Harbaugh or Juwan Howard? Unfortunately, I'm probably more of a Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> little bit uh we'll say some off the wall shit every now and then make you kind of scratch your head um you know probably should be doing better at things than what i'm doing but i have a lot of talent a lot you know capable of doing really really big things just haven't quite put it all together yet um and you know maybe some people thinking i should be fired like my wife so so there you go yeah there you go so unfortunately i'm more of a jim harbaugh guy for those, like who, my spirit animal. for those who don't know, both Chris and I have an artistic background. Um, we, I was going into graphic design before I switched to education and then ultimately, you know, got this job. Chris is a self, was a self-described starving artist for a while in, in, yeah. in the Chicago area. Streets of Chicago. And just trying to, trying to make it work. And, you know, so it's, it's not exactly a super big surprise where, you know, Chris might say like, ah, oh, talented, a little quirky. I say some weird stuff. <laughs> like, you know, that seems to, for whatever reason, go hand in hand with artistic people at times. And I think a lot of yeah. people would say that I have some, some quirkiness about me. My uncle, <laughs> dude, my uncle might be the most talented artist I've ever seen in my entire life. His name's Jay, my uncle Jay. And uh, I like, I don't know if the dude can hold down a job for like more than a week just because <laughs> he's like all over the map, dude. And I, I mean, I love him yeah. to death, but like, it's just, it's something, dude. There's a, there's a, there's a way that people are wired. So that's, I wasn't sure where you would go with that. I really wasn't. Cause I mean, well, you and I, we get along well. I think we have a lot of same viewpoints. We laugh a lot when we talk on the yeah. pod and off the pod. So I think yeah. of you as a pretty, social dude and i think of i think i definitely think of juan howard as more of the social guy than versus jim harbaugh. that's what i mean you know it's not i don't i wouldn't say that jim harbaugh isn't a so, social guy i mean i think just given the nature of the industry he's in and what he does for a living you're you know you can't be anti-social and yeah. do the things that he does but the general consensus is from people that have coached with him or played under him is that he can just be a bit of an oddball and you see that sometimes, but that that's not a bad thing either. Like I said, we all loved the odd quirky stuff when oh, the absolutely. team was winning absolutely. when Jim Harbaugh, I think they were overseas and he walked in some cathedral wearing cleats and a player was like, you could hear the clip clop of his cleats on the marble floor echoing throughout the halls of the church. Like that was the type of shit that was just like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's our football coach. Like, like always wearing the baseball cap, always rocking the cleats, even on the team plane, loved all that stuff. But now that they're not winning, it's like, it gets it's a little weird. It it's wears weird. on you. Yeah. It wears on you. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. You can get away with some stuff like that when you're winning games every Saturday, but when you're not, absolutely, it's like, dude, can we just cut the nonsense and just, and just do better and, at your job? And, and like, and you know what? But the thing is like too, though, it's a little bit unfair because he just does those things. He's not, he's not doing those things for the attention. They just, right. they just get attention because they're, they're funny or they're strange or they're a little bit out there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying like, okay, Harbaugh, stop wearing cleats everywhere and just wear regular shoes and coach. Like that's not, he's not wearing the cleats everywhere to get attention or to get a right. reaction from people, but it, but it does. And instead of it being like a really cool thing to, to kind of 
bolster what he's doing on the field it turns into like a, a detriment or something or it turns into like a just a quirk that you wish he didn't have do you think that has anything to do with like the silence really just you know the no, no fans at the spring game we're not really hearing much coming out of you know spring camp you haven't really heard much of Jim Arbaugh at all is he finally like in that mode where he's just like Given all that's gone on here, I don't want the spotlight anymore. I don't want people talking about, I don't want anybody focusing on me. I just kind of want to do my thing and, and try to make this work. Because if you look at the evolution of Jim Harbaugh from when he got here to who he is today, it has been a pretty dramatic change given the way he acted in public, the way he was on social media to what you see today. It's, it's you know, he was rocking gold chains with, you know, Migos, uh, yeah. rap. Yeah. It's with crazy. Migos. Right. And like, like that trying to picture today's Jim Harbaugh doing something like that. Like I can't even, they're not even the same guy. I think that's an interesting question. And I think, Hmm, man, I, I, I could say it's very reasonable to say that that's part of his thought process. Like, I'm just, yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing that stuff anymore. I'm just going to hunker down. I, I mean, dude, like he's not a dumb guy. He knows right. that his contract was cut in half and that his buyout is significantly is essentially gone. So, I mean, I, from a purely practical standpoint, he's probably like, I got to, I got to get my shit together. I got to do a better job period. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really care what it takes or what I got to do or what I have to change. I've got to do better. So I think there's part of it, part of that part of it is also probably, I mean, you know, he's made a lot of money for himself. He's been extremely successful. Not a lot of people can tell him much that he really has to care about, but I'm sure it gets old hearing about all of your shortcomings and all of the things you need to do better. And so he's going to, he, part of it might just be, well, I'm just not going to give anybody anything to talk about. So I'm not going to be out there. Do I think there's a, I think that's a multi-layered question as to why things are different, why it looks different, why he acts seems to act different, at least in the public eye. I mean, he, he might be exactly the same, you know, to his friends and family and his kids and sure. his wife and who knows, but that's a really interesting thought. And I think there's probably a lot that goes into it. One being from a purely practical standpoint, he wants to do better. I mean, this is another thing I've said a million times and why I can say it's not personal and why I don't hate Jim Harbaugh. There's not one person on the planet who wants to do all of the things we talk about every day than him. Right. I mean, like, he wants to beat Ohio State and win a Big Ten title and bring glory back to Ann Arbor more than anybody on earth. There's no question I, about that. I can't being imagine able, a, com, a competitive guy like that now leaving, being able, leaving Ann Arbor with an 0-5 yeah. record against the Buckeyes. I, I feel like Jim Harbaugh is the kind of guy that that would eat at for yeah. like eternity. 100%. You know? 100%. So, you know, being able to do it is a different is a different discussion, but wanting to – that's why that's another reason why I have a, an issue all the time with the, you know, he's just such a different guy than he was in 2016. I, I don't think he is. I, I really don't. I really don't think he's that different. I certainly know nobody came to him and said, you got to act different, Jim. Yeah. I like some, that. some 90 year old blue hair who gave 150 grand to the program came into his office and said, I really didn't like that penalty. You got James <laughs> bullshit, man. That didn't happen. A dude's right. he's been able to do anything he wants to since he stepped on campus. It's just, you know, some self-reflection, I'm sure some changing of his approaches, you know, he's getting older. Maybe he just really like, I need to tone it down a little bit. A personal thing with his family, his kids, you know, his, his kids are at the games watching him and there's a, he's got young children. There's a yeah. lot of things I think that go into it, but at the end of the day, he wants to win. He wants to do the best that he can being able to do it is, is proving to be a little bit more difficult, but uh, you know, it's just one of those things where, 
I think there's a lot, a lot, a lot that goes into how he's acted from, from season to season. So yeah, man, it, we're going to see because he's made more changes heading into 2021 than he's ever made. And I think like we've talked about many, many times, it has the potential to be very good because we've seen some, we've seen some early signs of goodness, but it also has the potential to be bad. And I think that's where everybody needs to realize, like, you know, predicting them to be a 500 team is not hating. It's, it's just not, it's just a look at where they were last year, the things that changed and what it could potentially be this year. So that's, that's where I continue to be still at nine. Well, I, I will say this. Call, I, will, we'll I was just going to say, I was going to say, I am still at nine and three, although I feel less confident about that today than I did when, you know, I originally made, uh, made that, uh, that guess, but I'm, I'm going to stick with it because I still am going to hold this team to the standard that I believe they should be held to. So, you know, for me, nine and three is the standard If they fall short. Then obviously that'll be a discussion, uh, but I am wavering just a bit. Why? <laughs> and why is Chris wavering? Why is he a little bit less confident? We will tackle that and more on Ooh, Wednesday. To be continued. Thanks Love for it. listening, everybody. Thank you.